open up your ears and your eyes and your Bibles to James chapter 2. We're reading verses 18 through 26 today. Um, So we're continuing on. You guys are still getting there, aren't you? I'll wait for you. James chapter 2, verse 18 through 26. All right, so it'll be up on the screen too, so don't stress out about it. So we're in this series called The Awakening, where what we're seeing is the writer James is trying to get us to wake up and become fully alive. There's a saying that says, the glory of God is man fully alive. And that's what James is after, for us to become all of who we are meant to become, to become more human, more of the version of you you're meant to become more alive. And the James, what he's telling us today is that if that's you, if you want to become more alive, then the key is you have to have true faith. Now, we're not able to search inside of someone's heart and know if they have authentic and true faith, but I will tell you this. There's something about someone who has become a mature Christian where you know that there's something different about them and they live their life with love and with grace and with mercy and compassion, but they also have a strength behind them and a grit to them and you look at them and you just know that they believe. Other people will tell you they believe and you take their word for it and you should take their word for it. But there's something about someone who has matured into their faith that you just see them and you know. And the question we're asking today is, do you have this true faith that will lead you into this maturity? So James 2, 18 through 26, I'm going to read it to you. That's what James is after for us. So it says this, but someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Well, you do well, but even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received, received the messengers and sent them out by another way. I hear you, Magnolia. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So the first question we're asking is, what is true faith? And the way we're answering it is two ways. First, true faith is allegiance to Christ. Devotion. That's the first part. The second part is then you begin to embody Christ meaning you you begin to start living like him. So what is true faith? We're starting first with allegiance to Christ. And that means to go absolutely, positively, completely, all in with Christ, holding nothing back. 
It's to devote yourself fully to Him above all things. It's to bow before Him and say, I'm going to obey you and serve you. Look at verse 19. It says, and well, James is getting a bit sarcastic and he's getting some attitude with us here, but he says, you believe that God is one, will you do well? But then he says, even the demons believe and shudder. And he's getting attitude with us because he wants us to know that belief doesn't simply mean that you believe something exists, but you are fully devoted to that thing that you believe in. And that's what true faith is. The demons believe in Christ, but they remain opposed to him. All right, now we have to ask this question, what's a demon? Well, it's an angel that has joined an uprising against God before the foundation of the earth. And these demons, these things that come out of this dark abyss, they believe that God exists very deeply. And with all of their passion, they fight against God. They are devoted to living their life against God. How do they do it? Well, very subtly. Here's their goal. Here's their purpose. You know, these demons, they're not, I know this is weird for you guys, but listen, these demons are not here to possess you. That's not their main thing. They're not here to make you into some evil, horrible person. They're here to subtly trick you by whispering lies to be double-minded in your devotion. To be devoted to God maybe a little bit, and that's enough but also be devoted to something else and something else. They're subtle. Now, here are some things that maybe we could think about that they're doing. First, let's say this. Let's say someone's a Christian, and this thing, this demon, whatever we're calling, this thing that's crawled up out of the abyss of hell, it comes up hanging out on the dark alleyways and the dark streets where we can't see them. They're unseen, And they whisper to this Christian, be half devoted to God. Don't go all in. Because if you do, you're going to get weird. So just be normal. Or to someone who isn't a Christian. These things would like to keep it that way. And so they whisper the lie of, well, Christianity is just one religion among many religions, so don't be fully committed to one religion. That would make you strange and weird. You need to be open-minded, and you need to investigate, and you need to learn from this one, and learn from this one, and learn from this one. Don't take any sides. And all this talk, by the way, about demons, you say, well, this sounds really strange. And yeah, of course it does, because they don't want us to know that they are real, because if we did then we would say, wow, this really, this is a thing. Like, there is evil. I don't want to be, I, I, I'm, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going all in with God. It's like they would scare us into belief and trust in God. But James' point is not any of that. His primary point here is that true belief is about your allegiance and going all in. You've all had teachers in your life And you 100% believe your teacher exists because you can see the teacher there. But are you 100% devoted with your allegiance to that teacher? 
hanging on every single word that they say. That's what allegiance is, and you're probably not with your teachers, because if you were, then you'd be following them around, annoying them, asking them to teach you all about life, not just information, but how you should live. Knocking on their door in the middle of the night, you have a question for them. That's what it looks like to be 100% devoted to someone. And so for the Christian, they are 100% devoted to Christ in all areas of life. Your family life, your work life, your sex life, your financial life. And when you meet Jesus, here's what he does. He ups the ante. And he says, either go all in or reject me. But don't have a middle ground. In the Gospel of Luke, one of Jesus' disciples starts following him. And the disciple says to Jesus, hey, my father just died. His funeral's today. Can I go to that? And Jesus is like, leave the dead to bury their own. Now that's, whoa, pretty harsh. And it's confusing. Because clearly we know that Jesus wants us to honor our father and mother. Jesus is known as the ultimate teacher of love. We saw two weeks ago all this teaching that Jesus gives us about love and the Good Samaritan and how we have to go to those in need. So why is he saying this to his disciple? Well, he's seeing behind the question. His new disciple lacks a devotion to him. If this man had said, Jesus, my dad has just passed away and the funeral's tomorrow, can we go to it? I bet that Jesus would say, yeah, let's go. But what the man asks is, can I go? He's ready to leave Jesus. And when you are a Christian, you do not leave Jesus behind. You take him everywhere you go. So Jesus draws a line in the sand and says, follow me or get out of here. Now, of course, there's a tenderness to Jesus. And often it's his tenderness that draws us into him and his grace and his love. But sometimes we need to hear the fire of Christ to get us to cross the line and say, I'm going all in. And that's what he's after today. And so the line has been drawn. What side are you on? And here's the problem. To be a Christian means you're 100% all in. And that's a problem because if we look at our life, I think we'd all probably say, I'm not 100% all in. So what does that mean for us? That we're all out? Well, I don't want to soften it, but I want to be practical with you. So imagine it like this. Imagine your allegiance looks like this. There's a homeless beggar on the side of a dirt road. And then this company of servants and horses and soldiers is, is walking by on this dirt road. And then this beggar sees the king. And he runs up to the king and he says, let me put, put me in your service. Let me be a servant to you. And the king says, okay. Now, why did the beggar do this? Because he knows, the beggar knows something about the king. He is good and he is wise and his life would be better off in the service of the king than for him to remain a homeless beggar. And so he runs up to the king. Now, he's right. He should have done this, but he had no idea what he was getting himself into because the king will require much of him. The king will love him well. 
and the king will draw the best out of him and will give him new responsibilities and will one day ask him to be the captain of his army. If the king in the beginning had said, okay, you want to serve me? First thing you have to do is to be a captain of my army. This homeless beggar would have said, "Mm, I will take my chances as a homeless beggar. I'm not ready to be the captain of some army. But in the end, we see that eventually he becomes the captain of the army. What happened? He grew in his devotion to the king because he saw the kindness in the grace, in the mercy of the king, but also the power of the king, in the fire behind the king. And he finally found a man worth following in a cause that is worth giving his life for. Now, at this point, I could talk about being more devoted to Christ than your job, more devoted to Christ than your political party, more devoted to Christ than your bank account, more devoted to Christ than your image, than success, but I want to say something else. Some of you have just become Christians, and you've discovered what it feels like to be a homeless beggar that meets the king and his grace and his mercy and his love and his wisdom, and it is changing you, and inside of you, you feel more joy and peace and patience and love for people, and that's a great thing. But now, it's time to join in the cause of Christ. It's time to join the army. It's time to start fighting for the king and with the king. It's time to mature. Some of you have been Christians waiting on the sideline for far too long, watching the fight, staying at a distance, and it's time for you to engage And pledge your allegiance to the king and let that allegiance show itself in your life. And some of you have already joined the fight. And it's time for you to enter into a leadership position where you are helping others out on the battlefield. It's time for you to become a captain of the army. So how do you know if you've given him your allegiance? How do you know? Because that's the question you should be asking right now, and I'm sure that you are. Well, it all depends, depends on how you respond to what I just said. Are you prepared to cross the line and enter into maturity? To take the next step, to join the battle, or to become a leader of the battle? Faith looks like a willingness to respond to the call of maturity. So if you're wondering if you believe, well, the challenge has been put before you. Go on to maturity. What will you do? So true faith is allegiance. So that's the first part. The second part is that now you begin to embody the one that you are following, the king. You start to live like him. His actions and works become things that you are beginning to do in your life. You're taking on his character, the character of Christ. You're becoming more like him. The idea of Christ is this abstract idea of perfection, of love and mercy and grace and strength. And now you are beginning to embody that. It's taking concrete form in you. So you start to have works that look like his works. You you will always become 
what you pledge your allegiance to. Whatever you follow, you will become more like. So what does your life look like you're allegiant to? What does your life look like you are following? Verse 20, James says that faith, apart from works, is useless. Verse 26, he says that faith, apart from works, is dead. In other words, your allegiance to Christ will cause you to live your life for him, and it will produce works in your life. It will produce change. It will produce a change in character, change in heart, change in the way that you live. James is not saying, though, that you are saved by doing good things. You are saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, but when that happens to you, you become changed. Like the homeless beggar, you're given a new life. Now, if you are a careful listener, you're saying, wait, hold on, David. Didn't you just read the opposite of what you just said? Listen, verse 24. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So if you've been listening carefully, you would say, wait, David, you just said you're saved by faith alone. So are you lying to me? I'm not. There's another place in the Bible, in Romans, it says what seems to be the opposite thing. It says a person is justified by faith and not by works. So who's right? Well, they're both right. They're focusing on two different things. So Paul, in Romans, is focused on how do you become right with God? Can you climb this ladder and do enough stuff to get right with God? The answer is no. You're going to mess up. You've already messed up, so just throw that bag out. You have one shot, and it's faith in the grace of Christ. Done. Now, James comes along and says, if you really believe that, you will have a changed life. And works will flow out of you. The homeless beggar can't join the army at first because he's too weak. He's too hungry, he's too thirsty, he's too tired, he needs a home. And so the king gives him a home, gives him a hot meal, gives him something to drink, gives him some rest, and then the king begins to nourish him, strengthen him, change him, and then he's ready to join the army. Same is true for us. We pledge our allegiance to Christ, and that's our heartfelt Our heart is allegiant to him. And then, out of that, we express this heartfelt allegiance in the way we live. So the line has been drawn. What's your next move? Go all in? Well, you have to choose wisely because a lot more is at stake than you realize. This is our second point. Why is true faith important? If you don't cross the line, of full devotion to God, you become like what the demons are. That's heavy. It says, because of Abraham's true belief, it was considered he was now considered a friend of God. But if he hadn't made that transition to true belief, he would turn into a foe of God. Putting off your allegiance to Christ is far worse than you realize. The Bible says that before we are Christians, we are all enemies of God. 
So this idea that when you, be, when you have faith, God starts slowly transforming you and you're becoming who you're meant to become. Well, if we all start off as baby enemies of God and we never cross the line, then we continue to mature more and more into these baby enemies of God that mature into something that we don't want to become. And it happens so slowly and we don't even realize it's happening to us. We're opposed to him. Now, let me say this. If you don't pledge your allegiance to him, you will remain a homeless beggar in need. Now, what do homeless beggars do? They take. They have to, to live. So spiritually speaking, it means homeless beggars take God away from the people in their life. Let me explain it. Remember what the demons are doing? They're whispering these lies that are causing people to be less devoted to God? Well, when you pledge your allegiance to Christ above all, you follow him, and you become more like him. But look, you're following him. We always follow what we pledge our allegiance to. Now, if there's people in your life that you love, you want to bring them with you wherever you go. And so if your allegiance is not on Christ or God, then it's on something else that will ultimately make you opposed to God. And so you go that way and you bring all your loved ones with you. And what you don't realize is you are robbing the people that you love from the greatest thing that could ever happen to them, God himself. So we have to go all in. And then... Once you go all in with him, you realize you could bring absolutely anybody with you to him. This is our third point, who can have true faith. Our verses talk about the true faith of two people, Abraham and Rahab. Now, these are two very different people with two very different faith levels. So we have Abraham who reaches the heights of faith in this world. It's unbelievable what he does. It's maddening what he does. Abraham is asked by God to sacrifice his one and only son on an altar. And we hear that and we say, this does not sound God-like. This sounds, this is pissing me off. Why am I reading this in the Bible? And what we have to realize is that Abraham believes something. Abraham has been promised by God that it will be through his son Isaac that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Abraham believes it so much that the Bible tells us that he even believes that God will be able to raise Isaac from the dead if he does this thing. He trusts God that much that he's willing to do it. God stops him. But the point of the story is that Abraham has reached the heights of faith. He's gone on to maturity. His whole life has culminated into this moment. He's been tested and shaped, and there it is, the moments before him, and he trusts God when it seems crazy to do it. He's mature. And the second person is Rahab. We see the birth of her faith. She was a prostitute, living nothing like Christ, and then God gripped her in a way that no man has gripped her. He didn't come and grip her body. He gripped her heart. And that was all that she needed. It was enough. And then she was all in. The birth of her faith. And it shows itself in a small little way 
where she hides God's people from their enemies. That's it. But it was the birth of her faith. It was the beginning. You can bring anyone with you to the king, no matter what their social status is, their past, their sins, and that's true for you too. And that should tell us a lot about who the king is. He's the kind of king that comes for us, for you, homeless beggars in need. In fact, that's exactly who he comes for. Those who open their hands and have nothing to offer but need. And he says, you're exactly who and what I'm looking for. And he was 100% devoted to coming to get you. Devoted to his father who asked him to come and get you and devoted to you. you. He is obsessed with you. He's driven to come and rescue you and get you. He went all in for you to make you a friend in his very own house. He came and gripped you by his love by gripping the cross. And he shows the heights of love, the heights of devotion to both his father and to you by gripping that cross, showing this great display of love where he lays down his life on the cross. He offers it there as a sacrifice. Not because we're so great, but because we're in need. And then there on the cross, he dies. And then in the grave, because he's the king, and he controls all things, even life and death, he's, he rises from the grave. And he does it so that he can rescue you up out of the hellish existence of sin and death. To finally make you fully alive. Go all in with him. Pledge your allegiance fully to him. And you will know what it means to be fully alive. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word to us. We pray that we would do this. We pray that all the things inside of us that want to run from you right now, we pray, God, that you would just quiet those voices, quiet those feelings, and you would show us right now all the reasons why we ought to go all in 100% with you and you alone. So God, we pray that you would help us do this now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.